Good morning once again and welcome. My name is Craig Thompson. I'm the senior pastor here. Thank you so much for being with us this morning as we've gathered together for worship. Thank you guys so much for that song. Uh, I just don't know that we could do any better than the music we've had this morning as we look toward our sermon. We're going to be in the book of Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4 beginning. Oh, no, 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 no. Michael, I tried. I tried. Wherever you are. I almost got there in time. Yep. Yep. If I'd seen it quicker, man, I'd have been there. If I'd have had on my tennis shoes, I'd have probably made it. Yeah. Hush. Shh, I'd have made it. Hush. I, oh, I should have dove? Yeah. If y'all see anything else falling today, let me know. I'm going to get there. We won't let anything else hit the ground today. All right. If you have, if you have your Bible, we're in Luke chapter 4. Just a reminder, we've been working our way through God's Word uh, beginning in Gen- beginning, not beginning, beginning in Genesis all the way back in January. Made it all the way up to Luke. We'll continue through that until we get to Revelation uh, at the end of the year. So uh, we, uh, we've already laid all that out. I, I, I'm, I told you guys early on, I'm, I'm going to steal the opportunity from Kevin to preach Revelation before Christmas. So he's got one lined up afterward, but he'll have to figure out the end of it. Uh, but um, we are uh, looking forward to all those things. A couple, a couple of notes for you. Uh, just a reminder, we do have our trunk or treat next Sunday afternoon, uh, not our sort of traditional full-scale fall festival, just trunk or treat. It's, it's going to be a, a walkthrough, not a drive-through like we did last year. We need you to sign up for that. I sent out a, an online opportunity for you. There's a, a physical sign-up sheet in the back. We really need your help next Sunday night, 6 o'clock. The weather looks like it's going to be beautiful and wonderful and perfect for that. So I hope that you'll plan to be here for us. Um, I'm sure we still need lots of candy. So uh, bring it in. I'll sample it this week, make sure everything's good to go. And we'll be ready for Fall Fest for our uh, trunk or treat next Sunday. Uh, I haven't mentioned this, and I should have. Um, uh, we, we've talked about it. So, some of you in the past, and some of you last year especially, did this. So uh, in addition to being here, there's some of you that live in those kind of neighborhoods where lots of people are going to come to your house trick-or-treating. Uh, and, and we do want to encourage for those of you that have those opportunities, be light in dark places, all right? So um, a lot of our folks don't live in the kind of neighborhood where that's going to happen, and this is a place where you can be light, and we want you to be here and do that. But if, if you're in one of those places where 200 kids are going to come by your house on, uh, <laughs> on next Sunday night, then by all means, be a witness for Christ in that place. We don't need to take you away from there uh, and bring you to this place. So I just encourage you to be light in wherever dark place that you can be. Be a light for Christ um, on that night. So, um, having said that, the only other thing, just I would, I would ask you to pray this afternoon at 4 o'clock. Our refocus team has their very first meeting. So, um, uh, you, you know, you look around and things are, especially before the kids left us, a little thick in here this morning. That's why this, this team's together, because we recognize an opportunity to reach our community. And we're going to figure out what we can do to reach our community uh, better and more effectively what we can do to put more missionaries on the foreign field, what we can do to invest in other churches, what we can do to make sure that we make space uh, right here with our own church body. So those are the things that our our Refocus team is going to be talking about this afternoon beginning at 4 o'clock. So please pray for them as they meet. Uh, There won't be any of this, you know, weekly updates from them. You'll get some updates along the way, but our hope is that they can come to you with a concrete plan somewhere by by the spring of the year. So uh, really pray that Lord would give favor as they work and and that we could work quickly and diligently. Having said all that, hopefully you've made it to Luke chapter 4. We're going to ask you to stand with me in honor of God's word. I'm going to read all 13 verses here um, from Luke chapter 4 beginning verse 1. So this is... The story of the temptation of Jesus as Luke recounts it. And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days. 
being tempted by the devil. And he ate nothing during those days. And when they were ended, he was hungry. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered him, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone. And the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time and said to him, To you I will give all this authority and their glory, for it has been delivered to me. And I give it to whom I will. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. And Jesus answered him, It is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. And he took him to Jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to guard you. And on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered him, It is said, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. Let's pray together. Father God, I know there are truths in this book for us. Truths in this passage for us today, this morning in this place. I am confident there are many here today who need to hear this message. I pray, Father God, you would not only give us ears to hear, but hearts to receive, Father. Give us the courage to trust. Father God, give us a share of your Holy Spirit. Lord God, a portion of your Holy Spirit, an extra portion today, so that we may apply this word. And Father God, for the one or two or half dozen who have shown up here today, Lord God, with hardened hearts, I pray, Lord God, that you would open their hearts to receive this word. In Jesus' name, amen. How can you overcome temptation? I titled this sermon, Get to Fighting. And I'll just be totally honest. The the, the visual in my mind as I was working through this message this week was uh, was from the the movie Tombstone. You've got that that scene of the shootout at the OK Corral. Do you remember that? And Wyatt Earp standing there. And uh, and Ike Clanton comes and he's grabbing at him. He's kind of climbing up and he says, get to fighting or get out of the way. There's a whole lot of followers of Jesus in this room and at home and all over the world that need to get fighting or get out of the way. Now, engaging in the fight for Christ does not mean that we're getting out a gun or a knife and we're going to physical warfare. Uh, This this means that we've got to be engaging in our, our spiritual disciplines, engaging in the fight, jumping into the Word, living for Christ. Folks, do you want to get caught up in the battle for souls and the battle to see the, the kingdom of God come? Listen to me. You don't have to seek out the devil. If you will seek Christ, you will have all the opportunity that you want or need to get into this fight and to make an impact in the world. This morning, I want you to avoid, or excuse me, to overcome temptation. We'll see in a minute that when we can avoid it, we should. But a lot of times, we are going to have to jump into the fray. And so what do we do when we get there? How do we accomplish that? Number one, we need to do this morning is to identify our weakness. You need to identify your weakness. Jesus had, let me just set the scene. Jesus had just been baptized before this happens. I appreciate the way that Russ Moore describes this in, in his book, Tempted and Tried. Russell Moore says that Jesus walked out of, of, the ba- of, of his baptism and walked into the wilderness with wet hair. Just this picture of Jesus coming from this, this time of incredible spiritual mountaintop victory. And he walks from there. The Bible says he was driven by the Spirit into the wilderness. 
Jesus wasn't drawn out by Satan. This wasn't some temptation. The Bible says that the Spirit of God drove him there. And we can look at the bigger picture. The Spirit of God drove Jesus into that place where he could prove himself to be the greater Adam. You understand? Adam was tempted and Adam caved in. Jesus was tempted and Jesus overcame. He was driven into the wilderness so he could show himself to be the greater Israel. Israel went and wandered in the wilderness for 40 years and they lived in rebellion and griping and moaning. The Bible says that Jesus was satisfied with all that God gave to him in those days. And when temptation came, Jesus overcame. Jesus showed himself to be the greater Israel. But Jesus also helps us to see this morning in this passage of Scripture what it looks like for us to live as followers of Jesus and to overcome our temptation. Understand that Jesus was tempted by the devil when he found himself, number one, in a place of spiritual victory, and then on the back end of that, in a place of incredible struggle, hunger, and weakness. We've got to be willing to identify our weakness. Jesus had this huge mountaintop experience, and then he fasted for 40 days. He was hungry, he was exposed, and he was tired. All of those things represent times when we should anticipate spiritual attack after times of spiritual victory or when you are tired and weak. Let's also acknowledge all sorts of temptations in here. The Bible says that Jesus was tempted to question God's care for him. Satan went to him and said, if you're so hungry, then why don't you turn this rock into bread? Why why would that have been wrong for Jesus? Because Jesus is going to teach his disciples that we should pray, give us this day our daily bread. Jesus is going to teach that we are to rely upon the Father to give us all that we need. Satan says to Jesus, the Father can't be trusted to give you what you need, so you need to do it for yourself. Jesus says man will not live by bread alone. I can trust what my Father gives to me. He was tempted to take power on his own. In some ways, we could say that Jesus was tempted to use the ends to justify the means. You could rule right now if you'll just bow down and worship. Can you imagine how Jesus in his humanness, as we all are human, how easy is it for us to justify what we want to do? I think think Scott Taylor's here. He's my dear friend. And one of my favorite Scott Taylor quotes is, you can justify anything. He says that every time I go to him and say, hey, I'm thinking about buying this. He goes, well, you can justify anything you want. No, no, you need, I'm telling you I need it. And he goes, whatever, whatever. How many of us can justify anything? You imagine a situation? Well, you know what? It might not be right, but if it got the right thing done, then it was worth it. Jesus is the king of the world. Satan says, if you'll just bow down and worship me, then you can assume your rightful place as ruler. Jesus was tempted when power was at his fingertips. Folks, when we have opportunities to have power, to have authority, we can find ourselves tempted to use that authority, to use the ends to justify the means. Well, sure, I was mean and ugly, but I still preach the gospel. You've got to be careful. Third, Jesus was tempted to put God to the test. Satan said, Jesus, throw yourself down. Bible says this. He says, God's word says he will command his angels concerning you and guard you. And on their hands they will bear you up. Do you know that Jesus doesn't dispute what the word says? Now, we don't have any actual hardcore evidence that these references that Satan mentions are actual references to Jesus. But Jesus doesn't dispute that. Right? Jesus doesn't say, well, that's not exactly what God's word means. 
What Jesus says is, yeah, that might be true, but I'm not to put the Lord my God to the test. Folks, this is why, side note, this is why we don't handle snakes or shoot ourselves claiming that God's going to protect me, right? I don't come up here and pull my knife out and go, well, God said he'll take care of me. And they go, oh, why am I bleeding? Some of y'all aren't laughing. It's because some of y'all feel guilty. What have y'all been tempting God to do? Some of y'all been spending a lot of money going, God said he'll take care of me. Maybe you've known somebody who was diagnosed with a terminal disease but refused treatments claiming God would heal them. Jesus didn't do that. Do you understand? Jesus didn't, and neither should we. Jesus didn't need to prove to himself or anyone else that God loved him. Jesus didn't put the Lord God to the test. Jesus didn't walk into an Ebola ward without protective equipment and go, God's going to take care of this. Do you understand? We need to be careful that we don't put the Lord to the test. And we can all be tempted to do that. I'm not going to wear my seatbelt, but God's going to take care of me. Satan says, God will take care of you, throw yourself down. Jesus said, I'm not going to put the Lord to the test. God's given me enough sense to know that I ought not do that, so I'm not going to do it. Don't put the Lord to your test. But folks, when, what Jesus did in addition, or Jesus didn't, but what Satan did was try to attack Jesus at his most vulnerable places. You understand? We've got to be willing to acknowledge our vulnerabilities, our weaknesses. One of the greatest ways that we're going to overcome spiritual temptation is for us to be willing to acknowledge, number one, that I have a weakness, and number two, to acknowledge where it is. Listen, if you can hear me speak today, you are weak. If you can't hear me speak today, you are still weak. Our flesh is weak. What are your weaknesses? Jesus was attacked when he was vulnerable. If Jesus was vulnerable, guess what? You even more. What are your vulnerable times? What are your vulnerable places? What are your vulnerable sins? What are they? I I urge everybody, don't put yourself in position for sexual temptation. Right? You'll mess up. I'm going to tell you. You can't win that fight. What's the best thing you do? You don't put yourself in that place. Teenagers, listen to me. Don't put yourself in that place. Adults, listen to me. Don't put yourself in that place. Know that. What are your other vulnerable areas? I've never been drunk in my life. Okay? And that's just never been a a, a temptation for me, never never been a sin for me. I got plenty of others, okay? I won't confess them all to you. I'm just going to tell you that one. So guess what? I can go do ministry in a bar if I need to today. That's not going to be an issue for me. If you're an alcoholic, that would be dumb and unsafe and scary. What are the places where you're vulnerable? But look, we got to be willing to admit our vulnerabilities, right? We need to be willing to admit our vulnerabilities. Are you a recovering addict? You probably don't need to go into the places where people are wrestling with their addictions and go, I'm going to go and help these people. No! No, what you need to do is to get safe with Jesus and find another place. Don't put yourself 
there in the serpent's den and go, I'm not going to get bit today. What are the areas where you struggle? What are those places? Identify your weaknesses. And it's not just your weak sins, right? The sins that are most tempting for you. Identify your weak times and then be honest about them. Be on, I, I don't preach to y'all when I'm hungry, right? That might sound kind of dumb to y'all, but I don't. There is a pack of crackers in my office just in case I get ready to step up here and preach and I'm hungry. I will go eat them before I preach to you because I, 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 can, I, I can fall into sort of just a rant in my sermon when I get that way. Y'all can all laugh. That's fine. Whatever. I'm just telling you, I love y'all enough. And I know me enough to know that I can't do that. I'm not going to do that. What are the areas where you struggle? How many of you, how many of you have filters on your phones or on your internet access at home? You know, the internet at my house goes off at, I think, 11 o'clock. I, I turn it all off. That, got a, that was a problem for me several months ago. I was working at the house and I, I was trying to write something probably for y'all. And all of a sudden, everything quit. Like, there's no internet left. Well, I, I had an option. I could either just go to bed and get up at 5 o'clock the next morning and get back to work. Or I could adjust. the. I, you know what I did? I said, you know what? I turned it off at 11 o'clock for a reason. To make sure that everybody around here is, is safe from all the temptations that come in after 11 o'clock on the internet. So you know what I did? I just shut my computer and went to bed. Somebody told me one time nothing good happened after 11 o'clock anyway. So I thought I would try it and see what happened. Identify your weakness, but can, can I just beg of you? Will you be willing to admit that you have weaknesses? Will you be willing to admit that you have weaknesses? Where are they? I heard a pastor one time say that occasionally he gets to the back door of his house. And he said, a lot of times I come home and my family's gathered in the kitchen or in the den. He said, and, and the way the window is, I can see in on them when I get to the door. He said, occasionally I force myself to stop and to imagine their life without me if I were to fall or seek out or run towards sin. He said, I, I consider the weaknesses in my life. I acknowledge that I could mess up. He said, and it steals, S-T-E-E, -E, steals me against that. Because I'm willing to admit my weakness. Where is your weakness? Ladies, what, are you, what is your weakness? Men, what is your weakness? You have one or two or 15. Why don't we admit them? Because of that original sin of pride. Pride goes before a fall. And for the believer seeking to live faithful of Christ, there is no more dangerous, prideful situation than a pride that says that I can't lose because the fall will be great. Our pride becomes blinders for us. I, I was hunting several weeks ago, and uh, it's full moon now, so it must have been about a month ago because it was another full moon. Uh, so probably, probably, I don't know, it doesn't matter. It was super bright. Um, I was walking in one morning, and uh, I just left my phone, my, my, my flashlight in my pocket because it was so bright. And I said, I, I, this way I can, I can sneak in a little bit quieter. And after I tripped over three logs and almost died, 
I turned my flashlight. As a matter of fact, I got to my stand. I texted somebody. I said, I almost killed myself this morning because I was trying to walk in the dark. Great would have been the fall on the back end of that pride. Some of y'all are wandering around in the dark. You won't turn on a flashlight to expose your weakness and your sin. And as a result, you're going to trip over something. You're going to mess up. And it's avoidable. Don't do it. Identify your weakness. Second, this morning, acknowledge the existence of evil. Do you know that Jesus was not engaging in a psychological battle here? The Bible says that for 40 days, being tempted by the devil, not wrestling within his own brain, not trying to identify his place in the world. The Bible says Jesus was tempted by the devil. This is a physical, actual, real entity, a person. The Bible describes him differently as the devil or as Satan or as the great serpent. Jesus actually did real battle with a real evil person being known as Satan. We have to acknowledge that evil exists. Do you want to overcome temptation? Will you acknowledge that there is a certain such thing as actual real evil in the world? Bad things aren't just mistakes or different choices. A lot of times they are actual real evil. Evil exists. Period. There is an enemy who prowls around like a lion, seeking those whom he may devour. He desires to destroy Christ's witness in the world. This is why he attacks families. Because according to Ephesians chapter 5, Paul tells us that marriage is a picture of Christ and his church. Christian marriage shows Jesus to the world. Your family, your relationship, your marriage is a primary place for you to experience temptation because Satan attacks at those places. We've got to acknowledge the existence of evil. Is there strife in your marriage? One of the greatest struggles I have as I'm working with couples that are, that are in difficult places is helping them to understand that my ultimate enemy is not my spouse. That Satan is the enemy of marriage. That when you are tempted to respond wrongly to your spouse, keep in mind you are being tempted by one who desires to destroy your relationship. He wants to destroy you and Christ's witness to the world. Do you want to win the fight? Do you want to overcome? Do you want to jump into this fight and, and overcome? We've got to be willing to admit and acknowledge the existence of evil. You can't fight what you don't acknowledge exists. You can't fight what you don't acknowledge exists. Any of all those people that think if you don't speak it that it's not real? Right? Listen. I don't think that we've had anything better to describe this in recent years. Now, we've, we've all had it in some way, shape, form, or fashion. But I, I know that I've been this way 
for, for the last 18 months. You know, you get that little tickle in the back of your throat, you get a little bit congested, and you start going, well, I, I, it, it, it's not. It, it couldn't be. It's, it's, it's just sinuses, right? Well, somebody will say, you think you have COVID? No, I don't have COVID. I had a test six months ago, and it's good for six months at least. I'm confident. Right? We, we've, been, we've all been there at some point during this, but it's not just that, is it? Right? Some of you have, have had other illness in your life. You've got a, a, a pain somewhere, and you just, you just don't talk about it, because maybe if I don't speak about it, then, then it won't actually be real. Well, those are a little funny. But sometimes we get in even worse situations. You have a, a son or a daughter that's straying from the Lord, but you think, well, if I don't, if I don't mention it, maybe it won't be real. Some of us don't talk about the existence of evil and the struggle and the strife that it creates within our families because maybe if I don't admit it, then I don't have to deal with it. But folks, can I tell you that when you're not admitting it, when you won't admit it, when you won't acknowledge the existence of evil, you've not made evil go away. You've just given evil the opportunity to run rampant, unopposed, we need to acknowledge that Satan is real and that he seeks to devour Christ's children. And he wants to destroy God's church. He wants to destroy marriages, families. He desires to do that. And listen to me. If he is destroying your family today, then today is the time that you acknowledge his existence and you change. Acknowledge the existence of evil. The third thing this morning that we need to do if we're going to overcome temptation, first, identify our weakness. Second, acknowledge the existence of evil. Third, seek out accountability. Now listen, we're going to step away from the text just a minute because Jesus is different, right? He is fully God and fully man. He is the Son of God. Look here, He don't need me. He does not need me. He does not need you. You got it? But we need each other. We need accountability. Jesus didn't need accountability. He was the Son of God. You aren't Jesus. You are not Jesus. You need accountability. Proverbs 27, 17 says, As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 says, Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up, just as you are doing. You need accountability. You need help. Who are the people in your life who are going to hold you accountable? Now, I want you to think about that for a minute. Who are the people in your life who are holding you accountable? To be a good husband, to be a good wife, to be a good parent. Who are the people in your life who are holding you accountable to follow Jesus well, to cling to God's Word? Who are they? Can you name them? I mean, legitimately, can you name the people who will call you out in your sin? Do you want to love Jesus well? Do you want to love his church well? Do you want to love Christ and make a difference in the world? Do you want to overcome temptation? You need real people with real names who have real relationships with you who will and can hold you accountable. Now, in our church, look, this is where life groups come in. You want to know when I start getting concerned for a Christian? When I start getting concerned, it's when they stop attending worship, when they stop attending life group. When those things happen, red flags go up for me. So I'm just going to warn all y'all. 
here's the number one thing. I, I begin to think, okay, where's the, what's, what's wrong? Is everything okay? Is there, is there a struggle at home? Is there a struggle at job? Is there something that, that is there a sin? Is there something we're trying to hide? Now, I'm not spying on you. I'm just telling you my pastor's heart. That's where my concern is. Who are the people there? That's where life groups come in. Okay? This is what we do at Malvern Hill. We want our life groups to be the kind of place where there can be real ministry and accountability. But that only happens if there are real relationships. And those real relationships only happen if you're consistently showing up and you're actually spending time with somebody outside of church. That's why in a few weeks we'll have a life group fellowship weekend. And we'll say to all of our life groups, go do something together outside the walls of the church. You don't have to go and, 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 and do a Bible study. You can if you want to. You can go and, and cook barbecue. You can go have a campfire. Whatever. We want you to go somewhere where there can be real relationship building so that those relationships can result in care and accountability. There need to be people in your life that know you well enough that they can speak into your life. Why? Because if those people exist then when you stop attending, when you start ghosting on the church, then there are those people who can call you and say, what's going on? Is there an idol that you're chasing? Are you dabbling in sin? Is, is everything okay at home? When life gets hard, when temptations come, folks, people of God need to cling to God's people, not run away. You say, but Craig, how do we get there? Watch this. If you will seek out accountability, then accountability doesn't have to seek out you. If you will seek out accountability, you, then accountability doesn't have to seek you out. If you give others permission to speak into your life, they don't have to kick in the door. And if you're willing to engage in accountability with others, you can trust their words because you know that they know what they're talking about. Are there people in your life that you've invested in, that you've spent time with, that you've looked them in the eye and you've said, I want you to know that if I fall into sin, I want you to call me out. Lest any of you believe that I'm a hypocrite with this, there are at least three men in this room who have heard me say that. Eyeball to eyeball. They are also three men who have heard me look at them and say, Brother, I'm concerned for you. Is everything okay? Folks, when we're investing in other people, we have the opportunity for accountability. Now look, accountability is a scary word for some folks. Okay, So our ladies like to say they have grace toward each other. That's so girly. Men, we need to be accountable. You got it? Just step up. Handle your business. Let the ladies do what they're going to do. Men, we need to be accountable to each other. But let me, let me, let me explain this. Let me break it down for somebody that thought this is a little bit too, too churchy for you. Now, we are a weird family, okay? We acknowledge it. We own that, right? We, we, we're a family. We, we like to do all kinds of things together. We eat together. We pray together. We play together. We work out together pretty regularly, okay? So um, my, my little ones are watching at home today, and and they, they'll get out in the gym and work out with me. They, they like to do pull-ups and mess around with the kettlebell. Sloan can deadlift. I mean, it's like we, we do those, those things together. Uh, the big kids and Angela, we all do those things together. But, but 
I've taught my older ones, especially in white in particular, I've taught them how to lift weights. Okay, just work with me. Everybody loves a good gym illustration. I've taught them how to do it. Okay, so they know. Okay, but what that means is that we're in the gym together and I'm squatting. And if Wyatt or Aubrey say you were too high, and for those of you who don't know what that means, just work with me. I assume they're telling the truth. I don't have to like it. Okay, they enjoy it because they get to rib their dad. But accountability isn't, you're a huge loser and you're going to die. Hey, Dad, you didn't quite hit the mark right there. Why do I assume they're telling the truth? You ready? Because I taught them how to do it. I've been doing the same thing with them. And so when they turn around and they go, hey, if you're going to do it, how about practice what you preach and get down there, old man? They say horribly ugly things like that to me. <laughs> I mean, it's awful. I wish that I could get the respect at home. That I, actually, I don't know where. One day I'm going to get respected. I'm going to go to another church, Tom. That's what i got to do. It's going to happen. No. Do you understand that when we're talking about accountability, some of y'all get so afraid of this. Like somebody's going to come bust up in your house and be like, what did you do for the last eight hours? A whole lot of time it's going to be more like, Hey, what's going on in your life? You're missing the mark. Let me come alongside you. It says somebody puts their arm around you and says, Brother, I'm here for you. Christian, listen to me. Do you want to overcome temptation in your life? It's time that we stopped being passive and we started being aggressive in pursuing accountability. Now, watch what I said, aggressive in pursuing it, not aggressive in offering it. Aggressive in pursuing it. Because if you'll do that, listen, you give people permission, they love you in ways that you didn't know was possible. All of a sudden, they're just coming alongside you and they're asking you questions that make you better. As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. They say, hey, You've been, you've, been in your, you've been in the Word lately? What's God been showing you? That doesn't feel like a lot of pressure from somebody that I went to and said, hey, will you hold me accountable? And they just texted me because I asked them to. What would you read in the Word this morning? They call me. They ask, what have I been reading? How's your prayer life? I don't feel offended because I said, hey, I want you to do that for me. And they said, sure thing. Craig, have you been treating your wife appropriately? But watch, those men that love me best and know me best will ask me that question in front of her. Yes. You answer it like this. Yes, honey. And then you wait and you pray that she says yes. Jesus didn't need me to help him overcome temptation I need y'all, and y'all need each other. Jesus has given us to the church and the church to us. Not just so that we have this social experiment on Sunday mornings, a place where we can come for civic engagement. So that we can get better. They can make us better. Seek out accountability. Because if you'll seek it out, then accountability doesn't have to seek you out. And folks, it's so much more comfortable 
is so much more enjoyable when it's that person I went to and I asked them to do it. Do you want to overcome temptation? Identify your weakness. Acknowledge the existence of evil. Seek out accountability. And finally this morning, cling to God's word. Jesus responded with the word of God. Jesus responded with the word of God. When Paul spoke of the armor of God in Ephesians 6, he only mentioned one offensive weapon. What the sword of faith which is the Word of God, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. This is our offensive weapon. This is how we engage. This is how we overcome temptation. Now listen, I want you to avoid it when possible. Right? We want to avoid temptation. We don't put our Lord to the test. We also don't put our willpower to the test, do we? I'm not going to put myself in a place where I know I'm going to be tempted. Again, your temptations and my temptations are different, but you know what they are. And you should have shared them with somebody else. And if you've shared them with somebody else, then somebody else can be like, hey, what are you doing at that place? That doesn't seem like a real smart place for you to be. So we're going to run from it when we can. But there are going to be times when we're going to encounter temptation. Temptation is going to seek us out and find us. And the Bible does not tell us to turn around and run from the devil. The Bible says that if we will resist the devil, he will flee. That's James 4, 7. And in Ephesians 6, when Paul talks about the armor of God, he says, when you've done all else, then stand. Listen, victory in a spiritual battle does not always mean that we are taking ground. It just means that when everything's said and done, I'm still standing. I'm still here. I didn't turn because I've got the armor in my front. I've got the sword of the Spirit, but the Bible says that if I will resist the devil, he will flee. So I didn't turn and run, but I stood and I said, devil, I will not do this. This is not the day that I will do those things. Are you able to actually engage with your temptations with the Word of God? Do you know the Word? Is there enough of God's word in your life that you're able to engage? Parents, is there enough of God's word in your repertoire as a parent that you don't use it to hurt or weaponize against your children, but you can use it to help you in your parenting? Me and Aubrey went hunting last night. I'm going to call her out in front of everybody. We went hunting, and she was so loud. Um, I thought that this would end. The biggest deer I ever killed, Aubrey was with me. She was four years old. She talked until the deer walked out. I don't know how that deer showed up, but that hasn't changed. And I'm trying to tell her to hush last night. And, and, and she just pulls out her phone and she pulls it up her Bible and she says, she flashes it in my face, right? Fathers, do not, do not anger your children. I 
I then pulled my phone out and showed her, children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. <laughs> this is how we operate. It's my kid. Do, do, do you know enough of God's word? Where, where are you going to engage in this battle? What are you doing? Jesus is the word of God in the flesh. That's what the Bible says he is. He is the living word. And yet Jesus used the written word spoken into or against temptation to overcome. How much more do you and I need it? Folks, we don't need flashy ideas you don't need spiritual incantations. You don't need a magic wand or holy water. The Word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. Dividing even the joints between bone and marrow. That's the powerful weapon that you have. That we need. What do we do? How do we get in this fight? Listen, the last thing I need for you is to become some sort of Van Helsing crossing the world looking for evil that you can overcome and fight. If you don't know who that is, that's the guy who hunted down Dracula in the old novel. I don't need you to be that. I need you to be faithful, pursuing the Lord, living to honor him. And I want you to know, I want you to know that it is possible to overcome temptation. It's a hard time right now to be a football fan in the state of South Carolina. <laughs> PC lost, Coastal lost, Clemson lost, Carolina lost. How thankful are we that it is baseball season again? Because the Braves won. Did I hear a boo out there? We may need church discipline. <laughs> the Braves were a 500 baseball team at the beginning of August. And they're going to the World Series and they're going to win it in five games. Just work with me. Remember I said if you speak it, it happens. <laughs> Listen, they, 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 had, they were picked by nobody to be where they are. Even at the beginning of the postseason, picked by nobody to be where they are. You got to play the game. We're having a good time watching those things on TV. But y'all... There's so much more at stake in our spiritual lives. Listen, some of you lose because you're convinced that you can't win. I didn't come here to tell you how strong you are. I came here to tell you about the Jesus who saved you. You're right. You can't win, but Christ is enough. Some of you need to be reminded that Jesus loves you, died on a cross to save you from your sins, and will deliver you today. Some of you need to get over yourself, though, and get into the fight. 
Some of you have rolled over for far too long. And the truth of the matter is, you've not been overcome by temptation. You've given in to temptation. Some of you like to play and dabble with it. And then you lose. Today needs to be the day that you decide you will resist the devil. You will resist the temptation to lash out in anger. You will resist the temptation to go home and look at pornography. You will resist the temptation to abuse drugs and alcohol. You will resist the temptation to cheat. You will resist all of those things that today becomes the day that you say no more. But then there's a couple of you that have just been beat up. You feel like everywhere you've turned, there's been temptation, temptation, temptation. And you just don't know if there will ever be a release. Can I just give you this word of encouragement? There is victory in the struggle. So you were tempted last night, and the night before, and the night before, and you're holding on by a thread. And you've overcome just barely. Can I tell you there's victory in the struggle? You say, Craig, it's so hard. I don't know if I'll ever be able to win the battle in my mind. There's victory in the struggle. There's victory as you fight against it, as you wrestle. And then there's hope. Because when it's all said and done, the greatest victory that we needed was the victory over sin, death, Hell in the grave. And Jesus has already overcome. Why can you have confidence that you can win this battle? Because you're not fighting from a position of defeat. You're fighting from Christ's victory. How can you avoid temptation? I would encourage you to try with everything you have to avoid it if you can. But you won't always be able to avoid it. So prepare to fight. Identify your weakness. Acknowledge the existence of evil. Seek out accountability and cling to God's word. I think, I think that one of the hardest, scariest things to do in the Christian life is to look another believer in the eye and say, I struggle in this particular area. I'm tempted by this sin. And I need you to pray for me. And I need you to hold me accountable. And even though I'm going to hate it with everything in me, I need you to ask me next week if I was faithful. I need you to do that. Because I'm hoping and praying that if if I know that that phone call is coming, I'm going to trust them. I'm hoping it's going to give me the courage to overcome. Folks, it requires us to admit that we're not perfect. That we struggle. That we are human. But y'all, it opens 
up the gates for incredible spiritual growth. Some of you for far too long have been wandering around in no man's land just hoping that maybe somehow things would work out okay. Today's the day that you need to get in the fight. Pursue Christ with everything you have. And to trust that that will be enough. This morning, our musicians are going to come in just a minute. And when they do, we're going to open, like it's always open up here. You're welcome to come up here and pray. And, and, I, and I hope that you will. I, I suspect, however, that there's a few of you that today you need to take that first step in dismantling your pride. And so we don't push too hard on invitations here a lot of times, but I'm going to push a little bit this morning. Today may be the day that you need to come forward and confess to your pastor your weaknesses, your struggles. It might be that it may not be me. There may be another brother or sister in this room that you just need to go and say, I am struggling here and I need you to pray for me. And I need you to walk with me. I know that's scary. But I also know that for many of you, it may be the first step in an explosion of spiritual growth. That today can be the day that you get into the fight. That you begin to overcome temptation. You begin to grow in Christ and make a difference in the world around you. Would you... Would you today stop worrying about what everybody else thinks? Would you stop being concerned about how everybody else might perceive of you? Would you be concerned only with this one thing? What does the Lord think of me today? How might I honor Him? I'm going to pray for us and our musicians are going to come. And I want to encourage you today to put your pride aside. Do business with the Lord. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I pray, God, that you give us the courage to confess our sins to one another, to confess our weaknesses to one another, to lean upon one another, to be willing, Lord God, to say publicly, I am weak, but you are strong. God, I pray today would be the day some people at home some people in this congregation today decide that they're going to trust you enough to put their pride aside, to lean on accountability, Father God, to get into the fight, to experience victory in Christ. We pray these things in the name of our Lord and Savior. Amen. Stand with us this morning. And would you come this morning and trust Jesus to be enough?